All right, let's jump into the sermon today. And I want to ask the question, what makes a leader great? What makes a leader great? Uh, we, we can look at all of human history and we can come up with names of leaders who we call great. They're great leaders. Some of them, we even put their, the name great within their name, right? All right Alexander the Great. We call him the great because he must have done something pretty cool, right? What he did was he conquered a bunch of people and created this large empire. But was he a great leader? That one's tougher. See, once Alexander died, his empire that he had conquered kind of fell in shambles and was split up into multiple different uh, kingdoms. He never created a bureaucracy that could control this land that he has. So was he a great leader? Uh, Maybe that's too far back in history. Maybe we need to come a little bit closer and look at some uh, more modern leaders. Uh, During World War II, one of the what we consider great leaders was named Winston Churchill. Uh, He was the prime minister of Great Britain. And while the rest of Europe had fallen victim to Hitler and to Italy, you have Brin standing there alone against the tide. And a lot of that was due to what Winston Churchill did. But was he great? Uh, When you read some of the stories about his life, we're told that he paced back and forth at one point in time in the hallway, saying to himself over and over again, I want them to feel my power. My power. So while maybe a good leader and important in history, was he someone we should emulate in our lives? What is a great leader? And so I want to ask that question. We want to try to figure out what is it that God considers great? Because we can have all kinds of ideas on what a great leader looks like, but if it doesn't come from what God thinks is great, then it's worthless. If you have your Bibles, you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Samuel and in particular the leadership of Samuel. Uh, In this section of the Bible, Samuel is a great leader. He leads the Israelites back to God to faithfully serve God alone. Samuel, we learned a couple weeks ago, was the son of Hannah. Hannah was barren. Samuel's her firstborn son, and she dedicates Samuel to the Lord. She gives him over to Eli and says, will you raise him up? And Samuel, we're told, Uh, was raised up in the Lord. And he was faithful. And he served God as he should have. Now, Eli's other sons, they were not as good of people. In fact, uh, we're told uh, in the chapters that lead up to chapter 7 that they were very wicked in a lot of ways. And in fact, they were so bad that God decided he was going to punish them. And so one day, as they are going out to fight against the Philistines, uh, Eli's sons take the Ark of the Covenant with them. And in the midst of the battle, Eli's sons are killed. And the Philistines, they take the Ark with them back to their home country. And as they are, uh, reports of the battle are coming in, Eli is sitting down on his chair and the runner comes up and says, Eli, Eli, your sons are dead. And Eli has one question. What about the ark? 
mean, that's how bad his sons were, okay? That he didn't even phase him that his sons were dead. So Eli has children who are wicked, and yet he raises Samuel up well. And for 20 years, the Israelites, after Eli passes, has no one to lead them. They have no one that's guiding them. The ark is gone. They have nowhere to worship God. And for 20 years, they are living in this dark, dark period of their history. And after 20 years, we read this starting in verse 2 of chapter 7, the second part of verse 2. So then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. I want us just to pause there and understand what that's saying here. If you ever get a chance to read the book of Judges, one thing that you'll notice is that there's this constant cycle that is happening in the lives of the Israelites. They will have a leader, a judge, that leads them in the way that they should worship God. And then when that judge dies, they decide to go away from God and turn to idols. And so they start worshiping idols. And as a result, God punishes them and says, I'm going to punish you and send a nation to conquer you. And the Israelites, for a period of time, will be a conquered nation. And then they'll realize the plight that they are in, and they will turn back to God, repent, and God sends yet another leader, a judge, to lead them again. And it's just a cycle that goes over and over and over again. And this is one of those cycles. Eli was leading them. When Eli died, they turned to idols. God punished them by sending the Philistines. Now they are ready to repent. And God has a new leader, and his name is Samuel. Verse 3, we read that Samuel said to all the Israelites, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then rid yourself of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourself to the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. And so the Israelites put away their Baals and their Ashtoreths and they served the Lord alone. So what we have here is, is Samuel exhibiting one of four qualities of leadership that we're going to see in this chapter. And that quality that he, ser- that he shows us here is this, that leaders call God's people to repentance. He looks at the Israelites and he sees what they have done. They have turned away from God and started worshiping Baals and Ashtoreths, which were the gods of the Canaanites. He says, if you truly want to worship God and return to Him with everything that you are, with all of your heart, you have to get rid of it. There is no room for God plus something else. So Samuel steps up as a leader, and he calls them to repent. It's very easy for us to get distracted by the things of this world. It's easy for us to live our lives and to go along and to suddenly find ourselves off of the path that we had started on. While we don't have bells or astras hanging up in our houses anymore, at least I hope we don't have bells and astras hanging up in our house anymore, we still have idols. And they look different. An idol that a lot of us get entrapped by is the idol of pleasure. For some of us, that pleasure is found in pornography, which is a rapidly rising problem that we have in our country. For some of us, the pleasure that we're trapped in is TV, entertainment, 
I mean, let's be honest, how many of us have ever binge-watched an episode on, on Netflix? And when we should have gone to bed, all the, all the little kids answer their hands. And we should have gone to bed 10 hours ago, but we're still awake, right? All right how many of we, let's be honest, we've done that from time to time. Why? Maybe for you, the pleasure is food. We had that extra soda that we really didn't need or that extra burger at the family picnic or seconds when probably first was plenty. What is our idol? And maybe it's not pleasure. Maybe for you, the, the idol that you're entrapped in is money. You allow your greed and your desire for more to control you. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's love and you're seeking of recognition from other people rather than God. Maybe your idol is you, me, I. Maybe that is your idol. And all you're doing is trying to figure out whatever I want. That's life. We have our idols still. And a lot of times the idols that we have in our lives, we have them because we've surrounded ourselves with people that are just like us. We surround our people with people who aren't going to say, what you're doing is not really okay. And that's where great leaders can step in. See, great leaders are ones that look at how you're living and say, you know what, that's not okay. Great leaders are the ones that say, no, you need to be relying on God rather than this idol that you have in your life. Great leaders call God's people to repent, to give up everything but God. And Samuel recognizes this. He sees what's going on in the lives of the Israelites. He sees how they've turned to the bells and to the asteras. And he said, no, that is not how we are to live. We need to follow God and God alone. And that's a tough demand. If you Uh, know anything about religious history, one of the things that you'll know in this ancient time was that there was this idea of pluralism. This is basically where it says, I can worship whatever God I want, you can worship whatever God you want, they're both viable, and depending on the circumstances, maybe I'll worship your God. And so there's probably a lot of people that are looking at the God of Israel and saying, oh yeah, that's just another guy. But God says, no, there's none like me. And if you want to follow me, you must follow me and only me. There is no room for God plus anything. It is God alone. And true leaders, great leaders, they understand this and they call God's people to turn away from everything else, to repent and follow God. Samuel's encouraged them to give up their bells and ashtras. The Israelites, they respond by giving up their bells and ashtras. I kind of picture uh, this big giant bonfire and they're throwing in all these idols and big flames. Okay, that's what I picture in my head. I don't know what they actually did. All right, so they're there and they're worshiping God, but there's some people that are not really happy about this. The Philistines, the ones who are in control of the land, they are not happy that all the Israelites are assembling. So in in verse 5, we're going to see that as the Israelites come together, the uh, Philistines are going uh, going to want to attack. And in that scene, we see the second quality of what a great leader is. 
A great leader intercedes for God's people. And we read about, starting in verse 5, it says this, Then Samuel said, Assemble all of Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water, they poured it out before the Lord, and on that day they fasted and they confessed, and they said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was serving as the judge of Israel at Mizpah. And so they come together and they decide that they are going to confess their sins. Samuel says, I will intercede for you. And this is a very important word, okay? Intercession is not simply praying that you get better. All right, intercession isn't saying, I hope that, that life goes well, that he gets that promotion, that his health is good. All right, intercession is saying, God, forgive them. If you were to read the Bible from Genesis through 1 Samuel, you would find that there's only three people that are said to have interceded for someone else. One of them was Abraham. The second one was Moses. And the third is Samuel. And so this places Samuel in a very unique group of people. It places Samuel in this position where he is on level terms with Abraham, this man of faith, this guy that God said, come out and I will bless you. Puts him on the same level as Moses, who God said, take my people out of this place. And he stands before God at Mount Sinai and intercedes for the people. And Samuel says, I will do the same for you now. It also shows the care of that Samuel had for the Israelites. That he loved them enough to stand as their intercessor. I don't even know if that's a word. I just came up with it just now. He stands there between the Israelites and God. It's like going to a courtroom, right? And you have... I hope you're never there, but if you're in a courtroom, you're there and there's a lawyer who talks for you to the judge. You don't get to just talk to the judge. The lawyer talks for you. In the same way, Samuel is doing that for the Israelites because they have sinned and they have turned their backs on God. And Samuel has been faithful and says, I will intercede for you. Well, the story continues in verse 7. The Philistines heard that the Israelites had assembled at Mizpah. The rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. But notice what they say to Samuel in verse 8. Do not stop. Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hands of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered Samuel. And while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines, and he threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites." See, the Israelites knew that they could either die by the swords of the Philistines or they could die by God's hand. And when faced with the choice of being right with the Philistines or being right with God, they chose to be right with God. And they tell Samuel, do not stop. And great leaders 
They care for the souls of God's people. Great leaders know that their most important task that they have is to make sure that God's people are in a right relationship with God. And so when they see God's people sinning, they will call them to repentance. When they see God's people sinning, they will get on their knees and they will pray for God's people. One of the most frustrating things as a leader to see is when people that you've been working with and praying for and and trying to draw them closer to God just fall off the face of the earth. It's usually a slow fade. They they start missing one Sunday here or there, then it becomes two or three, then then they're just not here. And it's not that church attendance is everything, but it does signify something important. And the reason why it's frustrating is because church leaders care about you. They care about your week. They care about the trials that you're going through. They care about the problems you're having at work. They care about the issues that are happening in your families. And they pray for you on a daily and weekly basis. They intercede on your behalf. And they are worried about your soul. Great leaders. They care about who you are and whether you have the right relationship with God or not. Samuel's on this one-minded task. I have to get the Israelites in a right relationship. And so even as the armies are coming at him, he is sacrificing the animal. He is crying out to God and saying, God, please forgive them. God, forgive what they have done. God, forgive them. And God answers. And it says, on this day, God sent down thunder and it threw the Philistines into a chaos. And the Israelites, they're sitting back, they're watching it all, and they're thinking to themselves, okay, now is the time to attack. And so they go after the Philistines who have been routed by God. All right, if God is on your side, no one can stand against you. And as the Philistines are running away, we see the third quality of leadership that is found in Samuel, and that's this, leaders bring God's people peace. And we read about it in verses 11 through 14. It says this, The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah, and they pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to the point of Bethkar. And then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. The word Ebenezer means stone of help. And so the Philistines were subdued and they, were, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns of Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel. And Israel delivered the neighboring territories from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between the Israel and the Amorites. And we get that last verse, right? That last idea that Samuel's leadership of causing the people to follow after God, it brings peace. Peace is important. And this time more than any time else. You know, peace was where you allowed your young men to grow old because they were not dying in battle. Peace is a lot what allowed them to raise crops to feed their children and not just their armies. So peace was vital. It was important. It was 
important for them to grow as a society. And they had it because of Samuel's leadership. Our life is full of turmoil and chaos. I mean, there's a lot of unknown that happens in our daily lives. We don't know, always know what tomorrow will bring. And sometimes that can be a very scary thing to realize. To realize that it may not turn out okay. And sometimes the reason why we're in the turmoil, sometimes the reason why we're in this place where we don't know what tomorrow holds is because of our own self. We've placed ourselves there. We've sinned. We've fallen away from God. We've gone away from His way. The reason why the Israelites are in the place that they're at with the Philistines ready to do battle is because they've turned away from God. They turned to the bells and they turned to the ashtras and they had stopped following God's way of life. And yet, they still had peace now. And that peace was given because of a great leader who called them to repentance, who called them uh, and interceded on their behalf. And Samuel was only able to do that because he blazed the trail for them. While the Israelites for 20 years went their own way, Samuel was faithful. While the Israelites sinned, Samuel watched it all and remained faithful to God. And when the Israelites were ready to return to God, Samuel was already there saying, I can show you the way. And great leaders, they bring peace because they live it. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says these words. He says, Be, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And what Paul says is, follow me. And the reason why you can trust me in this is because I'm following Jesus. And if you want to be a great leader, it starts with the way that you live. Are you a leader people can follow? Are you the type of leader that people look at and say, you know what, that's what Jesus looks like? Because that's what a great leader does. He looks and acts and does what Jesus does. And people should be able to look at our lives and say, you know what, how he interacts with his family, that's how I want to be. How he interacts with his community, that's what I want to do. How he interacts with lost people who need to know Jesus, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. That's what a great leader does. Well, the chapter ends by examining the rest of Samuel's leadership. Uh, it's interesting that the first six chapters kind of lead up to this one chapter of Samuel's leadership before we get to the next part of the king's. And this is what we read. It's the last quality of the leadership, and that's this. Leaders minister to God's people faithfully. Here's what it says, starting in verse 15. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all of those places. But he always went back to Ramah where his home was, and there he also held court for Israel, and he built an altar there to the Lord. Notice what it says there at the beginning. Samuel continued to lead Israel all of his days. And he was faithful about it. Year after year, he went on a circuit. Year after year, he went and he told people how they were to live, how they were messing up, how they can repent, how they could follow after God. 
Leadership is not a sprint, it is a marathon. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of life is a marathon, right? All right? Let's just think about some of the things that we have all experienced. School, for one. All right? School is a marathon, and it's long and arduous. All right? You probably got done with kindergarten and like, I'm done. I got everything I need to know. And then your teacher said what? Twelve more years, at least. All right? So school is a marathon. Your marriage, I hope, is a marathon. Your career, it's a marathon. Life is a marathon, and, and when you run a marathon, if you ever get that chance, you know that it's long, and you have to do it with endurance. I uh, ran cross-country in high school, and uh, inevitably, uh, whenever we started off the season, there was always that one guy that has never ran a race before. And, and, and cross country is like 3.1 miles, so nothing compared to a marathon, right? And so we, the, guy, the official would start it off with, us off with a gun. We would all start running out, and there'd be that one guy that'd be sprinting as fast as he could. And then he'd be the last person in the race because everyone else caught up with him. And what we need to know about marathons is this. It's not how you start, but how you end it. How you finish. And when it comes to leadership, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Are you going to finish well? Over the last couple of years, there's been some larger churches with pretty well-known preachers who have missed this, who have forgotten that they need to finish well. In Seattle, there was a preacher of a multi-site church uh, that was accused of bullying his staff as well as mismanaging church funds as well as a number of other things. And when the elders investigated it, they decided, yeah, that's probably what happened. And they asked the man to resign. And this multi-site church group that he had built up all split up. In South Carolina, a couple of years ago, there was a preacher that it was a church plant that he had grown to be thousands of people attending every single Sunday. And the stress that he placed on himself was too much for him to bear, and so he turned to alcoholism. And when they found out, they asked him to resign. It's not how you start, but how you finish. And those are just some of the more well-known cases within the church. Everywhere we could find examples of people who did not finish leadership well. But Samuel, he did remain faithful all of his life. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and, and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what great leaders understand is that they have a race that has been set out before them that God has placed in their path, and God wants them to run that race with endurance, with perseverance, and to not give up after a little while. Leading people can be tiring. I'm sure Samuel, after the first year of doing the circuit, hearing the same things over and over again, was like, man, these people will never learn. 
And I'm sure that he got tired, but he's kept doing it year after year after year after year because he had a course. And he faithfully served his race. And as leaders, we need to faithfully serve and minister to God's people. The four qualities that we leadership we find in Samuel, they're really simple. They call God's people to repentance. They intercede on behalf of God's people. They uh, faithfully minister to God's people. And I forget the fourth one off the top of my head. What's the fourth one? It's not on my notes. They bring peace. Thank you. (laughs) They bring peace. The big thing we get is this, the big idea. Great leaders bring God's people closer to God. We all lead somebody. And sometimes we forget about that we are leaders. Maybe it's with our kids that we are leading them. Maybe it's at work and we are a manager or a boss or or an owner. Maybe it's somewhere else. We lead somebody. Somebody is behind us. Somebody is looking at us. Somebody needs us to show them the way. And if we want to be great leaders, we need to bring them closer to God. There's a whole world of lost people who need Christian men and women to stand up and say, I can show you the path that God wants you to live on. But to do that, we have to have these qualities in our lives. We have to bring peace to them. And it starts with how we are living. We have to call them to repentance, and we have to show them and pray for their sins. We have to do that. And if we can exhibit these four qualities in our lives, we can be great leaders. So don't give up. Don't think that this doesn't apply to you. Be great leaders. Let me pray for you. Father, we're grateful that you sent Samuel, that you showed him how to live faithfully, that he didn't give up, even though it was tiring, and that he was a great leader. Help us to learn from his example. Help us to be leaders in our sphere of influences. Thank you that you have provided such a great cloud of witnesses. And thank you for Jesus, who is the greatest leader of all. And help us to look to him when we are tired and when we are weak. And to see the sacrifice that he gave so that we can have life. It's his name we pray. Amen.